This message comes from NPR sponsor Capital One. The Capital One Venture X business card earns unlimited double miles on every purchase. Capital One, what's in your wallet? Terms and conditions apply. Find out more at CapitalOne.com slash VentureXBusiness. You're listening to Shortwave from NPR. Today, we are immersing ourselves in a microbe-rich environment, one that is utterly unique to each individual, yet found among half the people on this planet. I'm talking about the vagina, specifically the microorganisms that live there. It's a unique environment compared to the gut, at least. This is Fatima Aisha Hussein, a postdoctoral research scientist at the Reagan Institute of MGH, MIT, and Harvard. Fatima's been officially studying the vaginal microbiome since 2020, but she's been an advocate of vaginas for years. I've definitely been obsessing over vaginas for a while. I you know, started out studying environmental engineering and women's and gender studies in undergrad, mm. kind of more focusing on international development and, and drinking water sanitation. Mm-hmm. And then I hopped over to microbiology, and now I get to combine you know, radical feminism with microbiology uh. in this really cool way. Before studying the vaginal microbiome, Fatima researched microbes in the ocean. So I hope to use what I learned in how bacteria evolve in the ocean and apply it to understanding how bacteria are evolving in the human vagina. Both very important liquid environments. And in studying the vagina, Fatima is focused on helping people fighting a condition called bacterial vaginosis, or BV. BV is an imbalance of microbes in the vagina that can lead to poor health outcomes. Preterm birth, uh, HIV susceptibility, other STIs, including HPV, which we know can lead to cervical cancer, um, and also HSV. HSV, by the way, is herpes simplex virus. Now, science has not made studying the vagina a priority, and that fuels Fatima's passion for this work all the more. Traditionally, people haven't been focused on women's health and on scientific endeavors to move women's health forward, especially women's sexual health. Like, there's definitely interest in reproductive health because that's about maternal health, but it's not focused completely on just a woman having a vagina and making sure she's healthy. Today on the show, we are rolling out the red carpet for the vaginal microbiome. And we ask, is it possible for one vagina to help another through a microbe donation? I'm Emily Kwong, and you're listening to Shortwave, the daily science podcast from NPR. This message comes from Apple Card. You earn up to 3% daily cash on every purchase. That's 3% on products at Apple, 2% on all other Apple Card with Apple Pay purchases, and 1% on anything you buy with your titanium Apple Card or virtual card number. Visit apple.co slash card calculator to see how much you can earn. Apple Card issued by Goldman Sachs Bank USA Salt Lake City Branch. Subject to credit approval. Terms apply. So vaginal microbiome, it's like a fancy term that just means a community of microbes that live in the vagina. Can you describe what an optimal vaginal microbiome community looks like? Yeah. So in a vaginal microbiome that's, let's say, associated with um, beneficial sexual and reproductive health outcomes, that would be a low diversity microbiome. You'd see 
one particular species, Lactobacillus crispatus, typically. Other lactobacilli are also present that dominates. And basically, lactobacilli you know, produce lactic acid, hence the name, and they create this acidic environment and a niche for only them to thrive. But there's also a high diversity vaginal microbiome, and that's the vaginal microbiome that's often associated with poorer health outcomes. So we definitely see this higher diversity vaginal microbiome being correlated with poor health outcomes and this lower diversity lactobacillus-dominated vaginal microbiome kind of associated with good health outcomes. That idea sounds pretty different than actually the gut microbiome, where overall it's good to have high biodiversity of microbes there. Is that right? Yeah. You know, in the gut, the more diversity you have, the more different bacteria are there to break down different foods you're eating. But in the vaginal microbiome, yeah, we want like a lower diversity state because that is, mm-hmm. you know, decreasing inflammation and and keeping you what we think is healthy. Right. Yeah. It's just one example of what makes the gut microbiome so different. Okay. So, Fatima, when we look at the vaginal microbiome, this sacred space, the biome itself can be characterized as healthy or unhealthy. When it's unhealthy, what happens? Yeah. So I will say that we don't exactly know and can (laughs) define healthy and unhealthy quite yet. We refer to it as a non-optimal vaginal microbiome Mm -hmm. only because Mm -hmm. many women with diverse uh, vaginal microbiomes don't exhibit any symptoms of having poor health, but it's associated with having a higher susceptibility of acquiring HIV, um, bacterial vaginosis. Uh, Mm. You can also have uh, increased risk of acquiring lots of other STIs. And again, like the focus of HPV and causing cervical cancer is definitely something that's of concern. And then on the reproductive side, this diverse vaginal microbiome is actually um, associated with preterm birth. So that's definitely of of, um, concern as well. Bacterial vaginosis, or BV, what is it and how common is it? Yeah. So bacterial vaginosis is this complex, diverse colonization of your vagina by these anaerobes. Um, It can lead to increased discharge, like kind of a fishy smelling odor, um, a lot of discomfort. Um, Obviously, it has a lot of you know, implications for self-confidence and also like sexual Mm. intimacy, which is a big deal. And about 30% Mm -hmm. of women worldwide have bacterial vaginosis. So it's definitely prevalent. That's high. It's very high. It's one in three almost. Yeah. So so that's definitely of concern and hasn't really been studied as much as it should be or, uh, you know, there's not that much funding for women's health. And so it's something that we definitely need to address. The other important thing about BV is that it reoccurs. So um, Mm. the current treatments are to take antibiotics, and the antibiotics do get rid of the diverse anaerobes for a short while. It's just that there's a 50% reoccurrence rate of bacterial vaginosis as well. Wow, that is high. So in light of this fact that people can take antibiotics to provide temporary relief from BV, but it comes back half the time, what is your study trying to do? So for the vaginal microbiome transplant, what we're doing is we're trying to figure out if we can take vaginal secretions from a healthy donor and put it into a 
woman who is suffering from bacterial vaginosis. And basically, can we transplant the microbiome from one community to another? Right. And how novel is that idea, the idea of transplanting microbes from one vagina to another? We're not very good at, you know, manipulating any microbiome quite yet. Um, So there's one exception, which is a fecal microbiome transplant or a poop transplant, which you might have heard of. So what we're doing is you have bacterial vaginosis, and when you're treated with antibiotics, it decreases the burden of the diverse bacteria. And then at that same point, we also want to increase the amount of the healthy lactobacilli that are present. So Mm. our idea is to use the entire vaginal community of a healthy vagina as a donation and put it transplant it into a recipient who is suffering from bacterial vaginosis after we kind of weed out the diverse anaerobes. That's really interesting. How does the donation process actually happen? Yeah, we have to screen the donors very, very thoroughly. So safety is Mm -hmm. definitely a big, big concern. We could, you know, accidentally not just transplant STIs, but also remaining sperm. And that would be very bad to transplant that into a vagina. So we're doing our due diligence to check Mm. and screen the donation material. But basically, a healthy donor comes in, we take a menstrual cup, and we collect vaginal fluid from that person. And in our study, we're actually going to be storing that over time. And then when we have the recipients who have reoccurrent bacterial vaginosis, They will come in and also be screened, and they will be given antibiotics. And then we will add in the vaginal microbiota transplant, which is, again, just the secretion from the healthy donor. And it's as simple Hmm. as using, like, an eyedropper and putting the donation into the vagina. What are some of the types of things folks are saying as you're going through the process? We have a lot of donors who are, you know— so happy to be doing their part to help vaginas. And then on the the recipient side, we have people who are suffering from this almost taboo subject that they don't want to talk about. They're really upset that they can't cure this issue that they're having and that they've tried antibiotics probably for many years and haven't been successful. So they're very much desperate to try out anything and are excited about Mm. the vaginal microbiome transplant. Right. And it's like this it's kind of this beautiful exchange of like a vaginal microbiome of one person helping out the vaginal microbiome of another person through this transplant. What uh, are you hoping to see from this study? If we can figure out what factors drive a successful transplant versus an unsuccessful one, that would be huge, whether it's having a donor-recipient match or figuring Mm -hmm. out exactly what specific strains of lactobacillus are good or bad or more or less Mm -hmm. successful would be huge. Maybe it's actually that the donation creates an environment for the recipient's naturally occurring lactobacilli to take over and thrive. One reason we think that the vaginal microbiome transplant may be successful is not just because it's the analog to the fecal microbiome transplant in in uh-huh. the gut, but because in the 50s and 60s, Dr. Gardner, who was a man who, you know, is Gardnerella vaginalis, one of these BV-associated bacteria are named after, he transplanted 
vaginal fluid from women with bacterial vaginosis into healthy women and did indeed induce bacterial vaginosis in them. So we do see transfer, um, but that was obviously very unethical and messed up. And we're kind of trying to do the opposite of that. Yeah. Uh, On the donor side, what kind of folks are you looking for? Who do you want to sign up for this study? So to be a donor in the study, we're looking for vaginas 18 to 40 years old who are premenopausal and have no history of bacterial vaginosis. The catch with being a donor is that you have to abstain from any sexual activity during the entire donation period, which is up to 45 days. Given what's required, why should a person participate? What's your pitch? Yeah, we're looking for vaginas who want to help other vaginas, you know, having confidence in your sexuality, being, you know, autonomous in in your sexual decisions and reproductive health would be so huge. And I think only people with vaginas will fully understand what that means. And so I think a donor would definitely be, you know, a vagina warrior. (laughs) What ultimately would you say is your hope for this research? Not in terms of the outcomes but just in terms of the impact it could have on the field and on the health outcomes of those with a vagina. So Doug Kwan's lab, which is um, the lab I'm a part of, focuses a lot of our research on HIV susceptibility in, in South Africa. And so what if we could develop a probiotic that was used as a preventative measure for for people who are exposed to HIV over and over as well. Mm -hmm. I think I'm just really excited to be a part of this research that, you know, is focused on women's health and really taking advantage of all that we know about this exciting world of microbes to help women and make, make an impact. It has been extremely, extremely cool to talk to you about this. Absolutely. Thank you so much for taking the time and having the interest to talk about vaginal microbiomes. Oh, I'm here for it. I'm so here for it. To learn more about the Motif study, including information for recipients and donors, check out their website, motifstudy.org. That's M-O-T-I-F-S-T-U-D-Y dot org. We will put a link to that in our episode notes. Special thanks to Caroline Mitchell at Massachusetts General Hospital and Douglas Kwan at the Reagan Institute, who are leading this study. This episode was produced by Burley McCoy. It was edited by Giselle Grayson, our senior supervising editor, and fact-checked by Margaret Serino. The audio engineer for this episode was Gilly Moon. Andrea Kissick is the head of the Science Desk. Edith Chapin and Terrence Samuel are the executive editors and vice presidents of news. And Nancy Barnes is our senior vice president of news. I'm Emily Kwong. Thank you so much for listening to Shortwave, the daily science podcast from NPR. This message comes from NPR sponsor, ShipBob. E-commerce logistics making you question why you started your business. Time to outsource fulfillment to the experts over at ShipBob. Get a free quote at shipbob.com. ShipBob. This message comes from EarthX. The EarthX 2024 Environmental and Sustainability Congress of Conferences is happening in April and brings together all sides with one important mission, protect the planet. Go to earthx.org to register.
If you're looking for a new way to support this show and public media, please consider signing up for the NPR Plus podcast bundle. NPR Plus listeners get to unlock sponsor-free listening and bonus episodes from NPR shows like this one. You can find out more at plus.npr.org.